please turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And in these evening lessons, I've usually select just a, a single proverb or just a few verses to focus on and really just try to keep the, the sermons short. But today I'm going to look at an entire chapter, and this is because this chapter contains a single theme. In fact, we see this theme explicitly in, in the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs, and it's really implicitly in the entire book itself. And what we're going to focus on is the theme of the sermon today. We're going to focus on this theme today in our sermon. And the theme, you can tell from the sermon title, is the importance of a father's instructions. That's what we're going to look at today. So Proverbs chapter 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. <clears throat> do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. And put devious talk from you, far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these instructions that you give us in your book of Proverbs. And Lord, we pray that you will help us internalize them. Help us to teach them to our children. Lord, we pray that we will learn. We will see you. Even in, the, even in the Proverbs, Lord, we will see you. We pray that you will be pleased and you will be glorified. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, help my voice uh, to uh, sustain my voice as I preach this evening. And, Lord, I do pray that you give me uh, your insight, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that you will open our ears to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, according to statistics from the U.S. Census data, 18.4 million children, that's one in four children in this country, 18.4 million children live in a home without a father. 
either a biological father or adoptive father or a stepfather, 18.4 million. That's actually twice the size of New York City. It's staggering if you think about it, the, the nation's largest city. And statistics, secular statistics, tell us that these children, again, one in four of all children in our country, are at a significant disadvantage when compared to children who are raised in a home with a father. For example, 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless runaway children come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in juvenile detention centers come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in adult prisons come from fatherless homes. And 80% of all rapists come from fatherless homes. Conversely, children raised in a home with a father are twice as likely to go to college, 75% less likely to experience teen pregnancy, and significantly less likely to be involved in gang activity. And despite this clear objective evidence, our popular culture continues to devalue, continues to demean the role of fathers. And the push to narratives that fathers are not necessary, that fathers are useless, that fathers are destructive. I mean, just think about your your average sitcom. The father is usually a buffoon. It's the children. Those are the ones who are the wise one in the sitcoms. And feminism has pushed the idea that a woman can have it all. She can be both mother and father to her children. And as a result, over 40% of all births in the U.S. are to unwed mothers. In the U.K., that number is over 50%. Think about it. More babies in the UK are born to single mothers than to married mothers. And then add to this the LGBT movement and the the overall secular trend to remove all gender distinctions from society. And we can see the value of the father continue to plummet, continue to decrease. But that's not what we see in Scripture. Scripture recognizes the vital importance of both the father and the mother. And the family of of a father and a mother is God's ordained primary means of uh, uh, and the basic institution of society. And in this chapter in Proverbs, we see the primary way God has ordained the transfer of wisdom from one generation to the next, and it is through the family. And although both parents are essential, and both the father and mother have a vital role in the transfer, the book of Proverbs seems to place the primary responsibility on the father. And I know that this may not be politically correct. It seems patriarchal or or sexist. But we see in this chapter, it is primarily speaking of the Father's instruction. And remember, we're talking about the transfer here of wisdom. Wisdom, biblical wisdom, always has a moral component to it. Always has a spiritual component. You know, we're not talking about facts. We're not talking about practical knowledge or vocational skills. We are talking about wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. So the theme of the book of Proverbs is the fear of God. That is the the beginning of wisdom. And not only does scripture show the prominence of the father's role, the father's instruction in the transfer of wisdom, but data, data back up this effect. And it says that the, the father's faith has a tremendous effect on the children. For example, a survey found that if a child is the first person to come to faith in the household, there, there is only a 3.5% likelihood that the entire household will come to faith. If the mother is the first one to come to faith, it's a lot better. There's a 17% chance that the entire household will come to faith. But if the father 
If the father is the first one to come to faith, there is a 93% chance that the entire household, mother and children, will come to faith. According to data collected by the promise keepers in the Baptist press, it says if a father does not go to church, even if the wife goes to church, if the father does not go to church, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. One in 50 will become a regular worshiper. And if the father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will attend as adults. And even if the father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of their children will attend church with some regularity. Now, if the mother does not go to church, but the father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. In contrast, if the father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds will not attend church. I mean, it's amazing. These, these statistics show that the huge impact the father's faith has on children. And I think this data reflects the way God has hardwired us. Because there's no lo- it just makes no logical sense, if you think about it. Why should the father's faith have so much greater impact than the mother's faith on the children? other than this is the way God has ordained it. So let's look at the the Father's instructions that we see in this chapter. And the first thing we notice here, reading through this chapter, is that there is an urgency. There's an urgency on part of the Father that the Son, and I would extend this to all children, it's not just to his sons, but to all children, it is an urgency that the children listen to this instruction. Verse 1 starts, Hear, O sons, the Father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. And he says it multiple times. He says, get wisdom, get insight, verse 5. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, verse 7. In verses 8 and 9, he extols the value of wisdom, the vital importance of obtaining wisdom, of heeding his instructions. How wisdom will bring protection, how wisdom will bring health, how wisdom will bring life. We also see that the Father is passing down wisdom that he himself got from his Father, In verses 3 and 4, it says, When I was a son with my father tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. And it's important for sons, when they become fathers, to pass the information, the wisdom that they have received when they were children, on to their children. It's important for daughters to, to choose husbands that will be able to pass on the wisdom to their children, as these daughters receive from their own fathers. And it's important for mothers to assist and support their husbands in their God-given role to be the spiritual leader and instructor to the children, and not to usurp this role, not to undermine the role of her husband. And I don't know if this is a relatively recent development, the result of our culture devaluing men, or if it's always been this case, but oftentimes... The wives and the mothers are more spiritually mature than their husbands. In general, Christian women are more spiritually mature than Christian men. And I say this to the shame of Christian men. And because of this, there is a strong temptation for the mothers, strong temptation for the wives to usurp their husband's role as spiritual leader. The wife says, my husband is, is asleep at the wheel. He's not doing his job, so I have to take over. I need it. I have to take over. But the problem is, this is not her role. The wife is not given the role of spiritual leadership in the family. This role is given to her husband. 
Now, the wife may temporarily need to fill in the gap if her husband is not a believer or if he is sick or if he's not spiritually mature enough to lead. But spiritual leadership is not her role, and it should not be her desire. Her desire should be to get her husband to this place where he needs to be so he can do the leadership. And the wife's role is is to assist her husband. The wife's role is to make her husband the man that God wants him to be. And her role is vitally important. It is a very important role, but it is an indirect role. The husband is a better man because of his wife. And the wife is not to compete with her husband, not to make him look bad, not to discourage him, not to further enable him to neglect his God-given responsibilities. And sadly, many, many wives have the opposite effect. By taking over their husband's responsibilities, he becomes less of the man God wants him to be, not more. And let me give you a good illustration to kind, of, to kind of get this point. Think about an adult coach on a child's sports team. The adult can play the game much better than any of the children there, right? And if, if the adult would just get in, they would win every game. They would take it up to a, a new level. But that's not the coach's job. The coach's job is to make the players better. The coach's job is to teach them. The coach's job is to encourage them to enable them to play better, not to play himself. Well, the same is true for the wife with respect to spiritual leadership in the family. Even if she is more spiritually mature, more knowledgeable than her husband, her role is to enable. Her role is to encourage her husband to fulfill his role as spiritual leader, not to usurp it. Now, of course, she could do a better job from a worldly perspective, but that's not God's ordained means. God will not bless her effort, as confirmed by the statistics that I just shared about the impact of the father's faith on the children. Yes, if, if, if it's an emergency situation, yes, God will bless that if that woman is, is, is in a situation where she has to. But if she's not, if she's usurping, God's not going to bless that, as shown by those statistics about, about church attendance of children. So let's now look at two specific instructions that the father gives to his son. The first is about avoiding doing what is wicked. And the second instruction is on how to avoid succumbing to the temptation to do what is wicked. And both of these are moral teachings. Both of these are relating to God's wisdom. So let's start with these instructions on avoiding doing what's evil. We see this in verses 14 through 19. And we're going to quickly go through this verse by verse. So starting in verses 14 and 15. It says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. And the first advice here, it says, is basically stay away. Stay away. Stay away from wicked people. Stay away from places where wicked people may hang out, where, where, where they may just stay away. Just avoid it. Just have nothing to do. Pass on. It, it is very clear. Stay away. And this, this advice seems simple, doesn't it? It seems obvious. And that's because we're adults. That's because we have either been taught this fact or we have learned this fact the hard way by being burned by our carelessness in the past. But children, children don't know this. Children lack the knowledge. They lack the experience to understand why this seems to be self-evident. Stay away from wicked people or you will become wicked yourself. And this is why they require instruction. And the problem is that these wicked places and these wicked people that we're told to avoid, they're so enticing. They're so deceiving. 
And often what they do is that they appeal to us. And they really appeal to a need or a desire that really should be, should be fulfilled in a godly way. Something that they should have been taught by a godly father. See, these wicked people, they provide a sense of security. They provide a sense of identity. They provide a sense of structure. They provide instruction. Instruction that was not provided by the father. And this is why the vast majority of gang members are young men and young women drawn, uh, that, that, are, that are drawn to gangs come from fatherless homes. And the leaders of these gangs basically become a surrogate father for them. And in a warped sense, what they do is they model what it means to be a man. But they model it completely backwards. And since the children are, are to some extent a blank slate, they don't know any better. This becomes the new normal. And they literally have a, a completely opposite view of what it means to be a man. And sadly, what is learned and, and what is modeled during these formative years becomes ingrained in their brains and leads them to really have a distorted view of morality when they grow up. And we see this all the time. Look at the, look at the prisons. That's what you see all the times. See, our, our human brains are kind of like clay. When, when they're young, they're very moldable. A clay is, is moldable and it's fresh. But just think about it, if you leave it out for a while, it gets hard and it cracks and gets dry. That's what happens with our, with our brains. As we get older, we become less malleable. The patterns that we learned when we were young get set in and, and become like concrete and they become very difficult for us to change. In the next two verses, the father describes the defected character, this warped morality uh, that takes hold, of this warped morality that takes hold of the wicked and what he's really trying to protect his children from. Verse 16 says, For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. Verse 17, For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And do you see the, the depth of depravity here? It's not just that these wicked people are looking out for their own interests, and they're, they're trying whatever's best for them, and, and they really care about what happens. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they may cause harm as a byproduct, but it's not really their intention. I mean, this would be bad enough. But look what this says. It says these folks need to hurt others. That's their intention. This is their primary goal. They can't sleep unless they make someone else stumble. It says their bread, that is what sustains them, is wickedness. It says their wine, that is what brings them joy, is violence. And this really reveals the, the potential depth of depravity in the human soul. And it, it truly is sickening. It truly is sickening. And it's only God's common grace, common grace such as described in this chapter of Proverbs, it's common grace that keeps even unbelievers, even the vast majority of unbelievers, from sinking to this level. But when we ignore the protection God puts in place, such as the instructions of a, of a godly father, when we surround ourselves with the wicked and the violent, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to adopt these values. It doesn't take long to embrace these actions. In verse 18, the wicked that are to be avoided are contrasted with the righteous. It says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And this is really a great image here. I mean, the dawn, think of the dawn. The, 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 it's that first glimmer of light that's coming over the horizon in the morning. And then that glimmer gets brighter and brighter as the sun rises, as it reaches its zenith in the full day. And light here is, is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for God. 
It's a metaphor for his wisdom and his righteousness. See, those who know God, those who love God, those uh, who, who love God will, will receive this light. And they'll receive more and more uh, and be more and more like God. And figuratively speaking, they will become brighter and brighter. And they'll become more and more righteous as they're open to God's light, open to his grace. And as they receive more and more light, they will become more and more righteous. And then they will become more righteous. They will be open to more light. And you see that this, this is becoming a, a, an upward spiral of grace. Verse 19 shows us the contrast. See, the wicked are the exact opposite. Instead of being in the light, they are in the darkness. It says the wicked, verse 19, <clears throat> the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. See, they really don't know over what they stumble because they're not able to see reality. See, just like a person who's in physical darkness, you know, when you're in physical darkness and you you stub your toe on something in in the middle of the night, it's because you can't accurately perceive your surroundings. Well, the wicked doesn't accurately perceive spiritual reality. They don't understand God. They don't know the way God created his universe. And because this inaccurate perception, they stumble and they fall. Basically, they break themselves against God's reality. So this is the first instruction on avoiding evil. The second instruction is how to resist the temptation. And we see this in the remainder of the chapter in verses 20 to the end. And in these verses, the father begs the son not to go down this path of evil by being attentive to the father's words and teachings. And these last verses, they they give us very practical advice on how to apply this instruction, how to put it into practice, how to keep from falling into this evil path. So what do these verses do? Well, these verses urge focus. They urge diligent focus. And that's the key. See, the righteous life, the Christian life requires focus. It requires diligence. It requires discernment. It requires conscious effort. See, we don't just sleepwalk through the Christian life. Anything else we do, if you, if you want to be a, a dancer, if you want to be a, a singer, if you want to be an athlete, you have to work, you have to practice. Well, the same thing is true with the Christian life. It requires diligent effort. That doesn't save you, of course, but when you are saved, you have to diligently work or you're going to become indistinguishable from those who are not a believer. Verse 25 is an example of really what is found in in, in these verses. Verse 25 says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. See, the danger is distraction. And it's so easy to get distracted. Uh, it's so easy to get sidetracked away from what is important. There are so many things competing in our lives for our attention. It is so easy to put God on the back burner and to look at these things that are right in front of us. And when we do this, that is when we stumble. That is when we go down the wrong path. And it is so subtle that we will do it unnoticed. We won't even realize it. And before we know, we are putting things before us. I mean, COVID was a great example, was it not? when we had so many people who, for whatever reason, were not going to church, and they got into the habit of not going to church, and then you went months, years, without being in fellowship, and you wonder why our nation's falling apart. The little bit of salt and light that we're Christians are not now meeting, are not praying, are becoming indistinguishable from the rest of the world. It's so subtle, and it goes unnoticed, but there's so many things that distract us. And the thing is, we can even be distracted by good things. 
We can even be distracted by, by this good practical fatherly instruction itself. Instruction based on biblical principles. Instructions grounded on God's word. And ultimately in God's very character. And the danger, the danger of all of us is we focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the practical benefit. And we miss the one who is giving the instructions. Really the one to whom the instructions point. And this is the biggest tragedy. Because we forget the one to whom wisdom points. The one who is the very personification of wisdom. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So the bottom line application of all instruction, of all wisdom, is to know God. To to know God through Jesus Christ. To love him. To make him known. To bring him glory. And and zealously guard that. Anything that will distract it, we've got to be ruthless. Even if it's good things, we've got to cut those good things if it keeps us from the greatest thing, if it keeps us from our relationship with Christ. And a primary means of grace that God uses to accomplish this is the instruction of godly fathers to their children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for our fathers. We thank you for the instructions that they give. To those of us who are fathers, Lord, we pray that you will direct us. To those of us who are children, Lord, we pray that you will make us open to the fatherly instruction and not rebellious and not pushing away and not thinking that we have all the answers. But, Father, that we will look to you, above all, that we will look to you and you will be glorified. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.